0: Ephesians 5. Y'all should have met me when Chris and them were here and I was younger. I would have called you out. Wherefore he says, Awake thou that sleeps, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly. Now let me tell you something. I love these Bible words, and we're gonna do basics, and we're gonna pray in a second, but the word circumspectly, to me, I don't know about you, I don't use that in my everyday language. I'm not like, see now thou is circumspectly, I'm going to go clean the dishes. No, Uh, it's circumspectly means this. It means see then that you walk like a cat with a very long tail in the whole room full of rocking chairs. It's very cautiously. It's very carefully. It's very meticulous. It's meticulous. Everything that you do is careful. Listen, I'm telling y'all, it's human nature. You woke up today, you really didn't think about. Let me live my life like that cat with a long tail, that's gonna get rocked on. You ever watch the cat? I love watching cats now. I got one. I can't believe I have one. I mean, but they're they're so everything they do is so precise. Circumspectly is how we're supposed to walk in this world, not as fools but as wise. Look at sixteen, redeeming the time. You know, one of the scriptures that came to mind today when I was studying this was David said, God, teach me to number my days. Teach me to understand that life is a vapor. Teach me to understand that everything I do has to be on purpose and it has to be deliberate because I'm going to look up and I'm going to be 34 years old. Some of you are in your 20s and you think that you have the world ahead of you. You're going to blink your eyes and you're going to be old because I feel you. When me and JT started back to the track six years ago, we started with three miles, and in two weeks, we're walking five miles a day, no problem. We start back, and I'm an old fat man, and we're still stuck on three miles because this old body's having trouble. And so it's, it, you're like, what is happening to me? I remember playing football, and I remember you could just run for fun and not be tired. Now if I run, there's either a bear or I'm usually on fire somewhere around and you, you think your life, you're like, I'm in my teenage years and my life is so, I've got all my life ahead of me. I'm telling you, it's a vapor. You, you blink and it, you're like, wow, wow, bills and job and it really, man, I wish I could go back to high school. Anybody? <laughs> Please, let me go back to high school. Man, gladly. So, but some of you are like, I hated high school. Yeah, wait till you get to the real world. Um. But the days, are, the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, and this is where my key text tonight, be, be not unwise, but look at this. Understand what the will of the Lord is. It, it's not a mis- mystery. It's not floating around in the clouds. It is for you to fully understand what God's will is for your life. Now, you might not understand every single step. Listen, and if you're older in this room, you're not just like, well, I'm settled in now. You're not settled in. God still has a will for you. God still, I, I think about a lot of these guys that I see. I know a guy that was the CEO of a company. He was settled. He was making great money. And God spoke to him. And God said, hey, I want you to sell your company and I want you to go preach for free. What? Because he was getting in the will of God. He's happy now. He wasn't happy then. Um, Let's pray real quick and we'll dive into this. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Your word is already anointed. I pray that you anoint me with fresh oil. Any sin or any hindrance or weight in my life, God, forgive me. Lord, let every person in here understand how much we love them. God, every lie of the enemy, God, that would talk to your people, God, expose the liar that the devil is. We love you and we praise you. Amen. Amen. They asked Jesus, teach me to pray. You can put that down. They asked Jesus, hey, teach me to pray. We, one of the songs that we're gonna start doing on the worship team um, that everybody knows, Nick was even talking about it's on repeat in his car. It, it's here, and Morgan's laughing, here is in heaven. He said, let, let your will be done. And we just, we know that. So let your will be done. Let your kingdom come. Well, what does us praying God's will be done have to do with his will for me? Everything. I promise you, I want you to think about it. When is the last time you said to God, I want your will in my life? I want to challenge you with that. Back to the basics. Don't get so, we get so deep that you miss that every day. Your kingdom come, but also your will be done here on earth as in heaven. Dr. K killed it Sunday night. Heaven does not have sick people. Heaven does not have depressed people. And I think the reason that most of the church is either depressed or oppressed or in some weird posture with God is because we're not actively understanding the will of God. If you don't believe you can attain it, then you won't pray for it. If you don't really believe that God can come down to you and fellowship with you and give you His will and His plan, then you're not asking for it and you're just roaming around purposeless. Let me tell you, if you're on this stage and you think the will of God is just to lead people into worship, you have so missed the calling of God on your life and you will be a shallow, shallow person. If you're sitting on the pew and you think it's to come here and hear good music and hear good preaching and just enjoy God and cry and tears, then you will be a very shallow person. The will of God is to bless you in every way because He loves you, but to move on you out there. It's not in here. It's who we are out there. It's seeing the need. It's meeting the need. It's feeling that you are important to the whole thing. The gospel has to be preached. We have to tell people it's the good news. There's freedom from sin. Most of us are so bored because we don't even believe God wants to use us at our job. Well, I haven't been acting the most Christian on my job. Yeah, nobody does. It's called human. Start now. (laughs) Start now. Asking for his will. Man, what how would it look like if his kingdom came on your earth uh, and, and your work and on this earth like it is in heaven? If the Holy Spirit came down. Well, we don't believe that because we're not asking for the will. Let me tell you something, Brother Davis told me, and I don't know where I am in my notes, but I just want to talk to you guys. I was very, I was probably Austin's age. And I really wanted God's will. And a lot of you are there. You really, you wouldn't be here on a Wednesday night if you really didn't want God to use you and move in your life and do stuff. I saw Adam and Tabitha. I was talking to them, and I'm chasing rabbits, but I was talking to my dad about Adam and Tabitha and their calling. And listen, when they told me that they wanted to adopt children, man, that's the farthest thing from I wanted to do. I didn't even understand it until all of a sudden... Every time I talk to him, I can hear that he's got the will of God. She's got the will of God. They understand it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be anything. So Caleb Gordon gets up and begins to preach to us how he was adopted. And how a foster mom said nobody wanted him. And she said, if he gets to two, I'm going to adopt him. And he said, I got, look at where I am now. And I thought, they grabbed their destiny Listen to me. I want you to get something. Even when he knows me, even when he knew his preacher was concerned that it might not be the right step. He could tell. I'm very transparent. Even though I'm like, yeah, it's a great plan, Adam. He could tell I was like, oh my gosh, don't do it, bro. And then he got here and look at these precious children that we love so much. Look how amazing they are. Look at that. They're coming in this church culture because he got a vision of God spoke to him. It didn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter what people think. If you'll get God's will for you, it will not matter. Amen? Even when they try to discourage you. I don't even know where I was in my notes, but that's good. Brother Davis. So I come to Brother Davis as a young man, and I'm like, I, how do I know that I'm even in God's will? How do I know? Because by the way, God has a will, and it'll take you to the right church. It'll take you to the right mate. It'll take you to the right everything. When Aaron, I, I love when Aaron got his job. Some of y'all need to just sit down and talk to Aaron about the, the pattern that God took him through, if you don't believe it. And then I watched Sierra. She was talking to me about her career path. Get in God's will. How do you do it? That's what I asked Brother Davis. How do I get in God's will? He said, son, I found out. And some of y'all might not know Brother Davis, and some of you might not think he just came to evangel, but you don't understand. I was going to his house when I was three years old. You can ask my dad. I stayed with him after church on Sunday. I grew up with this man. He's a great man. And he said to me, son, as long as you're asking God, for his will, you're in his will. And I wonder tonight how many of us are not in God's will because we're not asking for his will. I told you all, these back to basics. I'm not going to be a screaming maniac. I'm going to talk to you like you're my family because you are my church family. We got to ask him, what's your will, God? What's your will? You have to go back to the, the very first part about God, your father is good. If he does tell you to lay down something, if he does listen, if you're already married, you're stuck. Don't be asking God for his will to get out a new mate. You're in it. I already see some of you married couples singing, yes, Lord, I need your will. No, that's, that's, that's all good. You're done. But some of you that are single, the biggest decision you're about to make is who you marry. I was talking to Bethany and my sister who we're going to pray for tonight? Because she's getting induced tonight, and we'll have a little one here shortly. But um, you know, I gave a girl a ring one time. I almost ruined my life. I thought it was God. Stupid, Alabama. They keep the ring. Can't even get the ring back. They go pawn your ring off. <laughs> That's just... There should be some kind of domestic violence clause that says, if they keep your ring, domestic violence is legal. But uh, we'll cover that later. So, but the will of God, all all the guys are like, that's stupid. But they're on the inside going, yes. So, you know, I know a girl that hawked a guy's ring one time after that she broke off the engagement and went and bought a car with it. I'm not kidding. I thought that was terribly funny. But uh, back to the will of God. The will of God is going to protect you. I see people get in trouble a lot of times. And you can't talk to them. You can't teach them. You just have to start praying, God, let your will be done. Get your will back in their life. Get what you wanted. The reason that you formed them in their mother's womb, put them there. Listen, if you don't believe there's just one mate out there for you, then you're hopelessly in trouble. There is one person. The whole Old Testament teaches that. Abraham didn't say, I'm going to go find some random chick for Isaac, my son. He said, there's going to be one. And you're going to know who she is. And listen to me. You can miss it. You can miss the will of God. I am telling you that Jonah understands more than we do. Outside of the will of God is nothing but trouble and well guts. And I'm telling you, you don't have to be in the middle of a literal well, but I've been out of the will of God before. And I'm telling you, I'd have rather been in the belly of a well away from everybody than having to deal with my mistake where God put the door up and got to do not go through this door. And stupid dumb me walked right through it. And then the well. There is a good thing about that. You learn the mercies of God. God. But listen to me, if you think you can just keep doing what God tells you not to do, the Bible's clear about falling away. Some people don't even believe in falling away. I don't care if they do, just live holy. (laughs) Don't matter to me. It would be scary how most of us lived if we didn't think we could lose God. That'd be like acting like I could do whatever I want to to my wife and just expect she's always going to be there. It's about that silly to me, right? I don't know where we came from that, but that was free. First, so back to the will of God. Can I just talk to you guys from my heart? I'll I'll tell you what I'm worried about. I know how God works. Unfortunately, I've learned how he works. Just like the same way you learn how your parents are, like the first time they call your name when you're in trouble in a store you're a kid and they call your name Jonathan, stop. And you just keep going around. In my house, the next time it was, it was a snap. Big Dave was a snapper. When he snapped, that meant you better be at attention, brother, because 42 inches of American cowhide leather was coming behind it. Coming after you. There was a snap. Now, mom was a little different. Mom has this crazy mode that I still don't want... Y'all haven't seen. Dad can testify. She can get into crazy mom mode. But usually it was a pattern of she would say your name 40,000 times. And tell you to stop, and you'd still be like, oh, it's mom. I'm not really scared of mom. Until she said, Jonathan Daniel Lankford. And then I paid attention because the next step with mom was crazy mom. I mean, it was like, if I can find a hair dryer, I'm going to hit you with it. If I can find whatever I can get in my hands, I've had enough of you. Crazy mom has showed up. I remember one time I told her no, and my dad wasn't there. And I was about eight years old, and I looked at her. She said, go clean your room. I said, No. And she said, I knew I had to break his spirit. She DDT'd me onto this G.I. Joe toy. (laughs) Ask her. I'm I'm under God's pulpit. And she left me laying there mangled and just walked off. She said, I realized I had to teach him I'm in control of this house. And he's not because my dad was working nights at the time. Listen, God, I'm telling you, God is the same way. He will speak to you in that small, gentle voice. And this is not in my notes, but I'm telling you I'm in the Spirit. He will teach you. He'll talk to you and say, that's not right. Don't do that. And then what He'll do is, if you do happen to read your Bible, most of the people that get out of the will of God quit reading the Word. It's a dangerous place to get out of the Word. To get so busy with everything but the Word. He'll correct you with the Word. He'll, He'll draw you alone. And he'll get you that word, and it'll rebuke you, and you'll know he's talking to you. Then the next thing he does is he sends the prophet. He'll get one of us. It don't matter who it is because it's his love that's talking to you. And then he warns you with his mouth. And he sends you a physical human being to warn you for him. And then the last step of God is he says in in the Old Testament, because I loved you and I can't lose you, I'm going to have to break you. And the last thing that happens to you is you go through chaos. I I can remember dating the wrong girl back at Farstel Church of God, and my life was miserable. And I didn't, stupid me never, listen to me. Some of you heard me tell this story, but a lot of you hadn't. I started, I was on fire for God. I was a bad alcoholic. And it's embarrassing to say that in front of my father. I was a bad, I woke up drinking, went to bed drinking. He didn't even know half of what was going on in my life. And I had all these bondages and I walked in to this church service. I was hung over in the church service. I don't even know who that guy is now. And all of a sudden, my youth pastor's wife every Wednesday fasted for me. Her name's Bridget Tannehill. And she began to fast for me. And I went down to the altar. And I'm telling you, when I got up from the altar, old things passed away. Behold, Ryan can tell you he was there with me. I was a new man. I had new passions. I I wanted to know Jesus. But all of a sudden, about two months into it, this little young lady comes walking into my life. The day I asked her out. This old preacher sees me in Walgreens. He has no idea who I am. Listen to this. This is how dumb I miss God. He walks up to me, random preacher, and says, Son, if the devil cannot get you to fall by tempting you with anything, he will sit a young woman beside your heart, and she will slowly drag your heart from God. The day I ask her out, does it dawn on me? I start dating her. I know y'all are like, that is dumb. Some of you might want to examine your life. (laughs) And I mean, mean, I'm serious. I'm like, I'm like, everything's falling apart. The world's coming down. Everything's going wrong. And I'm like, God, but I love you. And I want to need you and this and that. And so we break up and everything's terrible. And I'm in my car one day and I'm just like, God, why didn't you warn me? Of course, isn't it always God's fault? And he reminded me of the preacher that he sent. Some of you, I'm scared if you're not careful tonight, you're going to be in a lot of trouble and you're going to be reminded of the preacher that was sent. You better examine the path you're on. Some of you are like, he's been talking to somebody. No, I haven't been talking to anybody. I don't have to talk to know a group this big. you got all kinds of trouble going on. I've been there. I, I, I was like, God... Why didn't you warn me? And God just showed me a little picture in my mind of all the warnings. But let me tell you something. One of the biggest deceptions in the whole church is that if your parents aren't saved, then you can discount everything they say. That is a lie from hell. Your parents are a covering over you. If your parents don't like a boy or a girl, You better listen or you'll learn the hard way. If your parents tell you about a decision that you're making and they try to warn you, number one, you are in such a foolish posture. You don't think the reason they're warning you is because they did the same thing. Or they walked through the same thing. They don't have to have some spiritual great discernment to know a crummy boy when they see one. Don't you dare the Proverbs is full of, you better heed the, your coverings. Your parents are your covering. And listen, sometimes that clashes, and I understand there's a percentage. If they ask you to do something unbiblical and all that, we'll cover that later. But you know for the whole, you better listen to your parents. Or you better listen to somebody over you. You better ask. That shows that you really need. what. Listen. If you don't ask somebody, at least ask God what He thinks about it with an open heart. Your will. This is definitely not the way I thought the sermon was going. But man, I don't know what I feel. I feel such a burden. Some of you are in the valley of decision. You better ask God's will to come into that valley. He'll lead you out of it. Listen. When I got rededicated in that time, man, I'm just going to go with this. When I got rededicated at 19 years old, every friend I had was a partier. I mean, that's all I had. I had all my friends were partiers. And the first thing God dealt with me was they have to get out of your life. And the first thing the devil did, because he understands that you cannot be a Christian and have a close friend that's not. So the first thing he says is, well, who's going to win them to the Lord? Because after all, God is so small. He needs your help to lead somebody to the Lord. I had to pray. I had a best friend whose name was Kurt. I loved Kurt. I still love Kurt. So I had to take him to play golf one day, and we were playing. And when we put our clubs up in our cars, I looked at him. Not that Kurt. Uh, I still love that Kurt. And he's not my sinner friend. <laughs> he's my Christian Kurt. And... I was like, why does everybody look Oh, I was like, different curtain. That's C-U-R-T, and this is K-I-R-K. And he, so I put him in the, I put the clubs up, and I look at him, and I say, hey, we can't hang anymore. He's like, what? It's hard. He said, I said, I can't hang with you anymore. What The way you're going and the way I'm going is totally different. And, and you know, I'd witnessed to him for about three weeks in there. Where I tried to talk to him about the Lord and he didn't want to. And you know what? I I wish I could tell you that the next month was the best month because I did what God said. It was the absolute hardest month of my life because I lost everybody. And God wanted me, His will. See, Jesus is the greatest example. We have gotten this gospel. I was talking to McCullough today in group me. About we, the church, not him, he was seeing something, has gotten where if it doesn't feel good, then it can't be God but Jesus is like hey not my will but your will be done now listen he's in his glorified state now he's going to come back and his countenance is going to be like the sun if you really read Revelation there's really not a battle of Armageddon really the word of God is going to proceed from his mouth and it's going to cut down all of his enemies to their eyeballs melt in their head you think a science fiction movie's got it it ain't even close to the glory of Jesus Christ whom we serve but in this point before he got to the glory he had to make some hard decisions to the point where he was bleeding sweat that's crazy to me so i walked through this thing where there was nobody in my life and i was like i'm so alone and i don't have any friends and all my friends are getting married and everybody and see back then i was still dumb thinking that was a good thing that they were getting married some of you are laughing but i'm so honest Marriage is hard. It is. It's hard. You have to love somebody like Christ loves the church. Have you ever seen how Jesus loves me? (laughs) I've seen it. He deals with a lot. So I'm in this place of loneliness for about a month. And the devil's telling me, all I've lost, all I've lost, all I've lost, all I've lost. And a friend of mine that I used to do illegal things with called me and said, Hey, I was in a church service in Tuscaloosa, and I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. I want to take you to lunch. Man, I wish you could feel the chills on my... And man, he came here to evangel with me in the beginning. He played the acoustic. Hoss knows him. He led worship for us. God gave me a brother. And then all of a sudden, something started happening around here. I thought I laid down some friends. I got to noticing your Christian friends are not just friends. They're brothers and sisters. It's so much deeper. The people in the world only love you selfishly. Because you say, well, I don't know if I believe that. I can prove it to you. Love is of God. For God is love. When you get God in you, it's called salvation. All of a sudden, your love kicks it up a notch. There's a new level of love that you don't even understand that you have for the brethren. It's called the unity of peace. And and listen, so all of a sudden look around at this church and look at all the brothers and the sisters that I've gained that I would have never had. The devil will never let you see, listen where I would be right now. I'd be miserable and broken. My grandfather says he'd be in hell or in jail. I believe that about myself. You gotta get in the will of God and sometimes the will of God just doesn't make sense. But you don't have to trust. Nick Saban says trust the process. It's not the process in this you have to trust. All you Auburn fans are hissing. I would too. 16 national titles. But, <laughs> but it'd make me hiss. But all this, it's not the process. It's, it's trust the creator of all things and trust him that what he's doing in you, why do you think Jeremiah 29 11 is so important? Listen, I got married. I know that a lot of things that me and that woman right there go through, is has nothing to do with us. We laugh sometimes. It's to do with y'all. I got married later in life. I, I remember what it was like for all my friends to be married or seem to be married and everybody moving on and not thinking God was going to get you. You know, look at the life of Hoss. Just hold on to that life. (laughs) He refused to date because he kept believing God had somebody. And I was like, I even got worried. (laughs) I even didn't trust the system or the process or the creator. And all of a sudden, he brings a chick that obviously has eye trouble into our house. (laughs) She said she was going to get her eyes examined, and I was like, no, no, keep those glasses, lady. We need this. No, she knows I'm just playing. But, but trust the process. He's later in life, but it worked. I guarantee you, he could have made it work. I know a couple of girls he could have made it work with. He would not be a happy man right now. So, thank you. I, listen, I, I don't know why I shifted and, and I know that when I shift like this, you can ask Bethany, people start whispering. They're like, he must know this or he must know that. I'm telling you, I don't know anything. I came up here to talk to you all about the will of God. And it's way more than just, listen, if, if you're not, everybody's single. You're like, everybody's like, man, he's just preaching to us. No, I don't care if you're single or you're not single. You've got to get the will of God back in your life. This, it's a basic of the faith. God, I need your will today. I need your will at my job. I, I'm, I am so convinced that there are people in this room that do not get promoted at work because they simply just don't acknowledge that God's the promoter and say, God, your will. Your will be done. Put me in a place. Put me in a place. I was talking to my brother-in-law about how he's worked up the ranks there. It's God's favor. He's going to be running that place one day. They're setting him up. He's, got men, he's learning now what management's like. It's terrible. <laughs> when they don't obey the time clock and when they don't do this, how do you be their friend and at the same time get the job done? It's a tough line. I want to be like, you need to come be a youth pastor for about three weeks and you will understand that fine line. Because when you rebuke people from up here, they might not talk to you for three months. And you only rebuke them because you love them. And really, you're not rebuking them. It's the word. I want to show you one more thing. Romans 12. Familiar scriptures. Actually, two, A lot. Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. Holy. Holy. I- I'm sorry to tell you. But there has to be a holiness in your life. And listen, it's different across everybody in here. Well, you only can walk in the light you've given. There are things that God does not allow me to do anymore that he did allow me to do five years ago. There's a, there's a level of holiness that he set me apart that I can't do the things that I used to do. There's some things that are weights that maybe not even sin to me, but he showed me that's a weight to you. You can't do that. There's, I don't wear a watch. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. It's going to sound crazy. I don't wear a watch. You know why I don't wear a watch? Because when I was younger, every time I'd wear a watch and I'd put my hands up in worship, my brain would be distracted about, it. I wonder if people can see my fancy watch. Now, how stupid and retarded and silly is that? But you know what? I just removed my watch because I want to worship. Look at every... There's a lot of people in this room that have watches and they throw their hands up and they worship and they don't even think about wearing a watch because they wear it for the right reason to tell time. What a thought. To me, everybody in here has got little things like that in their life that you cannot do that other people can do. That's why you can't get on these big rule trains. Everybody has to work out their own soul salvation with fear and trembling. Do I think now at 34 that I can wear a watch? Absolutely. I just have this thing called a cell phone now, and I don't really need it. So, but that's, anyways, how do we get there? I have no idea. Um, Holy and acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service. Look at, look at the second verse. And be not conformed to the world. If your mind is focused on the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may what? Prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect what? Will of God. Now, to prove means to test, as in metal, to see if it's genuine after examination. So God wants you every morning to renew your mind up on heaven and his thing and his coming. Listen, the will of God will unfold in your life if every morning you wake up and say, God, remind me that I'm living for heaven. Remind me that I'm after spiritual things. Remind me that it's not this earth. It's only temporary satisfaction, but you offer eternal satisfaction. Remind me of that, God, and I promise you the will of God will unfold. But he says, prove it. Listen, there's a time in our life where I don't have five hours a day, and this is how I'm going to close. I don't have five hours a day to go pray over every decision I make. I don't, which I did. I don't, you don't either. I can't just be like, well, stop. I can't decide right now. I'm going to go lay on my face for five hours. I'm going to lose my job. Okay? So what I've decided to do with my life, and listen, that don't mean we don't pray, and that don't mean we don't get people to pray. And there are decisions where you better be praying and fasting about. There's big decisions that come up sometimes, and you don't have to make them right at the spur of the moment. But the spur of the moment decisions, like this, I'm looking for a job. Put your application in everywhere. Show God that you mean business. I love when people are like, I can find a job. Where have you applied? Three places? Uh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You're looking for God to be Red Sea partner for your life. Give, you know, hey, there's some end on your side. Do some stuff. I put them out there. I always have. And I've said, God, open the door you want to open. That's his will. And close tight the ones you don't want me at. I can't tell you the times I've seen these guys praying about jobs. And they go to an interview and they say, man, I got this check in my heart that it's not right. Now, before the interview, they thought it was right. And they got into it and they were like, I can tell God is closing this door Hard. That's how you got to live sometimes. But you got to acknowledge that God is the one that can open and close doors in your life. Listen, you can, we can talk about relationships, but let me tell you something. The devil will put the wrong friends in your life, married or not married, and those people will literally drag and weigh you down. If all they love is the world... Why in the world would you not think that the love of the world, which comes natural to you in the Adamic nature, if you get around them, or you're not going to love the world, it's going to just spill over on you. I saw Hank Lash. Some of you don't know him. Some of you do. When when I was a kid, Hank Lash was like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He could take those six penny nails and just go like that, like it was a piece of uh, spaghetti noodle. And they, my my children's pastor, got him to stand up in a chair, and got this little kid and him to hold hands, and said, all right, Hank, you're going to pull the kid up in the chair, or this little kid's going to pull you out of the chair when I say go, and that little kid yanked Hank Lash, and back then, he was Jack Daddy, yanked him up out of that chair, and the whole illustrated sermon to me was proven that we always think that we're strong enough to pull people up, and it's always going to be the opposite. Our pastor puts it this way, good old country sense, which I love. It's practical. He says, you take a whole bushel of apples and you put one bad apple in that whole bushel of good apples. Nature teaches you that bad apple ain't going to be good because of those 35 good ones. That bad apple is going to make all those 35 good ones bad. The will of God is so important. God, what is your will? What should I listen to? What should I watch? It's what pleases you. right? Who should be in my circle? Your three closest friends, your future. It blows my mind when people say that they want to come into this church and they want to work and do things. And their closest friends absolutely are haters of God. So they don't really hate God. They just don't go to church. Actually, the love of the world is enmity against God. Don't be deceived. When I didn't serve God, I hated God. You say, well, I don't know if I'd ever say that. Well, it didn't matter, sweetie. It's in the Bible. You did. Everything you did violated him and his covenant. And whether you realized it or not, everything you did put his son on a cross. Oh, I'm so thankful that he watched that for me. I want his will. This is a basics. What's your will? What's your will? Just, I, I can understand. When you leave here tonight, you can understand what the will of God is for you. One of the coolest things ever when God called me to preach, it was the most amazing thing to me because I had made up my mind, I will not preach. I'd watch my granddad and my dad. Church people are sheep. Sheep bite. I'd watched them. That sheep smile and, and listen, there's, there's people sitting here tonight. You probably have smiled and hugged me and you've stabbed me in the back a million times. It's just, it gets callous so you don't even care. You're like, yeah, that's just another dagger. Wow, woo So I saw that my whole life. I saw people just attack the ministry they did all the way back to Jesus' day. And really, you can go back to even Adam or Cain or Abel, whichever one. I get them mixed up. One of them killed the other one. One was righteous. The righteous guy got killed. It goes back to the very beginning. And I was like, I'm not preaching. There's no way I'm preaching. And people always say, how'd God call you to preach? Weird, kind of strange. I never heard God say, will you preach? Never. Never. I would ask Brother Abrams because to me, Brother Abrams was the closest thing you could get to Jesus on earth. And I would just get close to him and be like, you think I'm called to preach? And he would just smile. He wouldn't say a word to me. So one night I went down to the altar and for 35 minutes, the only word that could come out of my mouth is, or the phrase was, yes, I'll preach. Yes, I'll preach. I said it. I was trying to say other things, but all I could say is, yes, I'll preach. Yes, I'll preach. His presence was so real. And it doesn't stop there. The next day, I'm at my house by myself and the Bible falls open and I begin to read it. And it's where God called one of his prophets and I felt like he was, I knew it was so real that I just laid face down on the kitchen table in in the Bible and just his presence was so real. And listen, there's a lot of times now that when I start to doubt my calling because every preacher and every person in this room is going to doubt their calling. John the Baptist is the greatest prophet. He sent his disciples in prison and said, Ask Jesus if he's the one or should we seek another. He would started to doubt his calling. You get in jail long enough spiritually, you'll start doubting it. But I go back to that place. Why did I tell you that? You're like, what does that have to do with me? Everything. God has a will for you. Ask him to speak to you. It might not be what, you know, I had dinner Monday night with Andrew and Anna in their new house. Speaking of watching the will of God work. And I had dinner with them. And it might not be a call to Haiti. Or it might not be a call to Africa. If it is, that's amazing. It'll be amazing. It might be called to America and to the children of America to fill the love of God. It might be called to do something at your work, like hey, all of a sudden you're praying God's will. Your boss says, hey, we're gonna do a Bible study on Tuesday mornings before church uh, before work. You want to lead it? Whoa, that's just as big. It's just as important. Your call, he might speak to you and say, you are called as an intercessor to the church. You are Sister Puckett's replacement. I'm calling you tonight. She's about to leave for glory and she can't walk anymore. She's ran her race. And listen, we need to pray for her because Bethany sees her on Wednesdays. She's not doing well. But he might speak to you and say, hey, I've called you to be a behind the scenes prayer warrior. There are going to be times where everybody else is out doing stuff, and I'm going to call you to come with me. I'm telling you it's something awesome because you were created for that. There's gifts of helps. He might show you that you're best. Listen, my calling as a preacher is to remind people. I shared that with Seven Mile Church Sunday last Sunday morning. I'm not going to teach you some new great thing that just blows your mind. Because I asked God what he had for me. My calling is to the body of Christ to remind them what they already know. To already walk the light they've already been shown. Get back in that light. Tonight, get back in the will of God. What do you want me to do, God? Where do you want me to go? How do you want me to do this or that? Get God back in your life. Get him back in your decisions. Everybody stay. I'm covered two of like 15 scriptures. But I just told I told Bethany before I got here, I just felt like I needed to share my heart tonight. The will of God's important. I'll tell you something. Some of you that feel like you're in limbo and you're not, you're kind of in that lukewarm phase, I've been there. I kind of tend to live there, unfortunately. Sometimes I get a little warm and sometimes I get colder than usual. But I'm trying to get out of that. But some of you, the missing ingredient is for you to hear God speak to you and say, Hey, I want you to start doing this. There's ministries in this church that are just waiting for somebody to take it and run with it. And watch God bless it. There. Amen? Amen. Well, I don't know if God will ever use me in that. You haven't even asked him. You haven't even asked him. Every time you look over here at Adam and Tabitha, you need to think hey, God's got something specific for my life for me to do for him. Amen. Amen. Everybody in here, the single. God's got a mate for me out there in his time. I got to trust the, trust the creator, right? What if God does speak to you to go to another country? You're in the right denomination. We have more missionaries in the world than any other denomination, like three times to one. This church sponsors so many, like if you would have told me a church of 220 people sponsors like 30 something missionaries. That's why God blesses us. because we want to honor it. So we'll get you there. If God begins to speak to you about something to do, and it scares you even, I, listen, He put people in your life to walk you through it. They'll talk. That they've been there. They've done that. Even when I knew God told me to marry Bethany, there were times before leading up to the wedding, I started having doubts every now and then. Human I got to thinking, man, this chick's going to have to live with me for a solid rest of her life. (laughs) And she can't get out of it. That's terrible from her perspective. Y'all don't know. And so I I just, I want to drive that point home. Next week, Caleb Gordon will be here. I ask him to, to come because I just miss him. I think he's a precious person. And he'll bring a word and I promise you it'll be an encouragement. And then we'll pick right back. We might do back to the basics for the next five years. Because there's a lot of topics to cover. If God doesn't change my mind when Caleb's done, the next week I'm going to preach on the armor of God. I think that's a basic we got to get. we got to understand what a helmet means and a breastplate. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me now because I know about flak jackets and machine guns (laughs) and riot gear. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to have to break that down, what's going on in the Bible there about the armor of God, because it's important if you don't wear your armor.